Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm your host, Tish. Journey with me as I talk to everyday people about how Christ changed their life. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Today I have Emily, a beautiful woman of God, and she's going to share with us her testimony and how that has shaped her life through her journey with Christ. Emily, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Emily. Um, I am married. I have a nine-year-old son named Kale. I have been married for almost 17 years. My husband's a pastor. What else would you like to know? If you were going to take a trip, would you do plane, train, boat, out of all of those? I would probably do a plane. (laughs) Why? Because you want to get there quicker? Yes. I would love to take a train across country. My husband and I have talked about driving around the country. So if I was doing that, I would drive. You would drive. But otherwise, I would just want to get there. <laughs> Share with us your testimony. So I have four brothers and two sisters. My parents that we were born to were very abusive people. It was a very hard childhood to grow up in. I was taken away at the age of six, Um, but to go back and tell you a little bit about it, uh, my parents were very poor people. They found creative ways to make money, which included us stealing, and uh, we were abused sexually, physically, mentally. Because of that, we were also used as pawns for ways of my parents to make money. We were given to other people and used for my parents to make a profit off of that. Basically so, prostitution. Yes, we were okay. we were prostituted out. That was me and my older brothers. My younger brothers were more physically abused um, and the younger sisters were physically abused and uh, left alone, neglected. My parents basically did whatever they wanted to do and we just were kind of a sideline of... So basically you and your siblings took care of one another. Of each other, okay. yes. Um, going through... I have one brother. To really state how um, bad the situation was, I have one less brother today because of the abuse. He was actually beat to the point of retardation. He survived, but my parents told the police that it was our fault, that we had dropped him, that we had hurt him. So that's also something that we've, me and my brothers and sisters have had to get through, mm-hmm. was the fact that we could physically hurt one of our siblings, which we did not do. But, you know, when you're three, four, or five years old, you just believe parents said it, so that is what it is. So that's taken a, a lot to just kind of get past. He died at the age of 16. Um, at He was adopted, and with that, so we didn't have a lot of communication once we were separated. I was adopted at the age of seven. Uh, my brothers and sisters were all adopted out as well by different families. Just to state that at that moment, I knew nothing about God. I knew nothing about church. Mm-hmm. I was basically in survival mode. Through that God had his hand on me throughout that and I can tell that because even though tragedy happened and terrible things happened God still was ordaining the direction in which my life was going to go and so even though my brother did pass away at 16 from his disability from being beat as a child God actually ordained that in a way that uh, an organization was started to be able to adopt uh, mentally retarded children and a whole organization was started So it was like, even though man did that for bad, you know, was not 
good, God still was able to use that for something good and was able to create something out of that. And I was adopted into a Christian home at the age of seven with actually one of my brothers who was eight at the time. It was a Christian home. We did learn about the Lord. I didn't really think a whole lot about my childhood at that point because I was still so young. So I hadn't really even processed it. I was Mm -hmm. just so thankful that I was out of there and somebody else was taking care of me. And my brother, um, who was a year older than me, was there with me. But because of the abuse uh, from our childhood and because of the prostitution type situation that we were put in, mm-hmm. my brother and I were made to do a lot of things together. And, and people would pay to see that and would put us into these different actions. And so that was really hard getting adopted with our parents not knowing this part of our life. So your adopted parents had no had idea. Had no idea. Okay. They had no idea we were abused. They knew we were neglected. They knew we were left alone. We were obviously starving and a bunch of different things that were going on. But back in, you know, the, the early 80s, that was not something that was really brought up right. when you're adopting a child. So a lot of that abuse, um, or I wouldn't say abuse because he didn't really understand what he was doing. It was just this act of, this is what right. I've always done. So this is what I'm going to continue to do. It's embedded it's part of your everyday life it's your norm yes okay yes so I think for him it was like a security blanket Mm -hmm. it was him and I together and we were you know so that just continued on through our our years until we were probably about 13 Mm -hmm. when I really recognized this is not right this isn't how God ordained family Mm -hmm. family is not meant to be where you're together that way it's meant to yes so your sexual side of that awakens at such a young age you're not in control of that Mm -hmm. and so so your ability to love other people you know that's how God meant it was that we're supposed to to fall in love with someone at you know someone else and get married and that's Mm -hmm. how that part of it comes out but when it's when it's messed up that way then it really creates in your mind you look at it the wrong way yes. you look at love the wrong way you look at that side of of uh, the sexuality part of it the wrong way you know that came out and that was recognized and that was stopped at that you know by the time I was 13 um, but you know I I was safe and in that home and I was protected and I was cared for so we were just thankful to be there. And my parents are were, were very strict. And mm-hmm. in that sense, um, I think that protected me a lot mm-hmm. from things that I could have gotten myself involved in. Because when you are, as a child, when you're mentally put through things that are not for normal children to have to deal with, mm-hmm. it really changes your view on the world and your, your life and how you how you respond and and see other people. As I was growing up, I didn't really understand what love was and just relationships with other people. I didn't truly understand that. So I kind of lived a very lonely childhood because I didn't, I could only trust myself and I could only trust my brother, but my brother wasn't acting right either. So it was, you you just kind of lose reality. You kind of live in a a weird world. So that, People do understand the full capacity of that. When you're put into that situation, not only does it alter your view of yourself and what's going on, but it alters the view of the world. We see things a little bit different. Coming from a past of child abuse, sexual abuse, we don't know how to move through life the way that other people see normal. Yes. Okay. Go ahead then. 
So, um, you know, your younger years up, you know, until you're a teenager, not a whole lot goes on and, you know, you're just doing your elementary school Mm -hmm. thing. So none of the childhood stuff really came out when I was younger. And then it got to be my teenage years. And my teenage years were really, really hard for me. Because then, you know, you start to have an identity. You start right. to, to want people to know who you are and, and just portray a certain look. And to me, that was everything that I'd known as a child. And so all of that stuff started coming out, whereas in... How did that happen? I just, um, just well, for one, as a teenager, you start liking other people. There's mm-hmm. a different parts of your relationship with other people that changes mm-hmm. from your childhood to your teenage years. And you start wanting to have a relationship with other people and all mm-hmm. of that. But with my view of it being so skewed, it started creating, you know, my identity that should have been in Christ who I had earlier at the age of seven accepted the Lord into my heart, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that. It was, I started using my childhood memories as as who my identity was and what I could do for other people. And all those childhood actions started coming back. And so I started using my body and the things that I said and all of that as a way to, well, this is what I know about love. Mm -hmm. And this is how I get loved is by doing these things and saying certain things. So obviously I would go for the the bad boy that's going to give me that kind of attention that I want because that was everything I'd ever known. You know, and that wasn't necessarily that's not my parents fault that's not my youth pastor's fault mm-hmm. that's not it was ingrained in me that that was a part of my life that's how I was accepted and how I was that's how you live that's your everyday yes. life yes did that cause you to go in and out of relationships it it did in the sense that I mean it wasn't like I'd go out on a date at right. the age of 13 but yes I would go you know I would pay attention to one guy or he would pay attention to me and so I would go that direction and then the second that that he got bored or or I I felt like I wasn't getting as much attention from him as I would like mm-hmm. I would go find someone else that would give me that attention so I would go from person to person to person looking for this acceptance and this action that I desired from that other person so that was I mean we're talking talking you know coming from 11 and up and then I get to be 16 and the problem with that was though I had found my identity so much in all of that that looking back on that it it saddens me to see that I knew God was there and God was watching over me but I didn't go to him for any of that because this is this is what I knew I knew that this is how you get love this is how you get attention this is my identity is found in all of that so you know God never left me God was not was ignoring me he was he was calling to me but I wasn't listening I was doing what I knew was normal for me I didn't fully understand that you I needed to put understand. my identity in him and get my acceptance from God instead of those other things because when you live in a world with a bunch of other people you know and people are talking because I didn't know the extent of my childhood and all of that they didn't specifically point me out and get me to understand the identity that we find that in Christ and not in other people and so so it was just like they were treating me just like every other kid because they didn't know because they didn't know so, so it wasn't like I was I was rejecting God okay I wasn't rejecting God I think I just didn't fully comprehend that that was supposed to be 
how I found my identity in Christ. And so I did. I went from person to person to person. And I remember my mom actually telling me, you flirt so much. You're, you just are constantly trying to get attention. But I even to that point don't think she even comprehended Right. The extent of what that was in my head, because that was my everything. So how did you get to the point where you explained to your parents what had happened to you? Well, it actually came out when I was in um, around that time where my brother who was living in another family was having some issues, molestation, stuff mm-hmm. going on um, because of our childhood. And the parents had been in communication and they had contacted my parents who said, you know, has Emily mentioned anything? Like, is there anything going on that would kind of explain what was going on? And up to that point, they didn't know anything until I came out and said those words and said, yes, we had a lot of abuse going on. But even at that point, I didn't fully explain everything. To the I just did, of what it was. Yeah, I just did what they needed to know to help him um, without going into too much depth. Of course, my parents were dev- devastated because mm-hmm. they didn't know. Uh, but I mean, even as a, as a child, I remember sitting on my dad's lap. My dad would want me to sit on his lap being daddy's little girl. I would scream and I'd run away. And then I'd get in trouble for being rude and, and, and yes. not being respectful to your parents. You know, and that's not their fault because they didn't know. Mm-hmm. But in my head, that was terror. That was the beginning of that, that, that moment. That was everything that ever haunted me in my life I was terrified of that mm-hmm. he would never hurt me to this day but that was in my head that that was the only reason I had a father right. was because that was that was what he did was hurt you and so it came out because of that so it was a, a short little thing you know my parents asked me do you need counseling do you need help what can we do but at that point at 16 you're well, you're a teenager. Yeah. You think you know everything. You got it all together. Right. And I'd been dealing with it so much on my own for so long mm-hmm. that I just kept it together. You know, I was a suck it up and deal with it kind of girl. Right. So I didn't, I was like, no, I'm fine. You know, I'll just do, keep doing what I'm doing. And because I was an older sibling, I felt like I spent a lot of my childhood not focusing on me and focusing on the younger ones to keep them safe. So I took a lot of the abuse to try to protect them. And so um, I think because of that, I was just tough. I just, I never let things get to me. So at that moment, I still hadn't gotten to the point where I'd crashed and figured out that there was something seriously going on that I need help. Living in that survival mode. Yes. And so I... You know, teenage years came around. You know, my parents were pretty, were very strict. So dating wasn't something you just went and did and Mm -hmm. and all of that. It was, you know, double dating and all of that. So I think because of that, I did not like that type of, uh, of strictness. But I think that God had a plan in it. It protected me from so much. So to this day, I look back on that and I think I'm so thankful for that because he placed you where you it needed really, to be. Yes, and even though I didn't like it, he knew what he was doing in that. So you know, even through high school, I still didn't, I didn't recognize that I needed help, that I had a problem. And you know, I met this guy who I'd had a crush on all year, my one specific th- guy that um, that I really liked. You know, he started paying attention to me, and this was really the turning point of it without me really knowing it, this was the turning point. Because before that, it was a little flirting here and there and doing different things, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't to this extent. Mm -hmm. And so this boy had a crush on, I was gonna go to this teen event with him and all this. Well, my mom finds out and she's like, no, absolutely not. You're not going with this boy. He's not good news, all of that. 
But, you know, being a girl that I am, I was going to do what I was going to do. Even though my parents were trying to protect me, I was, this is the boy that I want. This is the boy that gives me attention. I want to go this way. Any way you could. So, so I did. And our, our school was right next to, or our house was right next to our church in our school. So you could literally, like during a basketball game, you could run up the hill to our house. So in between the games, I would do that. My brothers would do that. Well, my brothers were on the basement level of the house. And so I didn't realize it, but it wasn't my brothers. It was this boy. He followed me home and came up the stairs. And typically when the when the door to the basement was locked, they would knock and I would let them in. Mm-hmm. So I assumed it was my brothers. So I opened the door and lo and behold, here's this boy here who I didn't think much about it because I thought, you know, I didn't know what he was, he was, he was going to do. I was just like, I was kind of excited that he was there, but kind of thrown off. Like, why did you follow me home kind of thing? And, um, you know, this boy had a reputation, but you know, being the blind girl that I was, I just didn't think much about it. Well, then he ended up taking advantage of me in my bedroom. That was the first time where I had gone out there and been the tease but not been taken advantage of or anything like that. That was the first moment when something bad in my life at that point had happened to me. That you knew that it wasn't right. Right. It was the first time that it's like, this is not normal. This should not be happening. Yes. What's going on? And that's what changed everything for you yes. to see that what happened to me in the right. past is very different than this. Well, and then even at that point, though, your mind... Because I'm in survival mode, my mind switches on me. And instead of thinking, I'm not going to be the victim in this anymore. Because I had fought to be not be the victim my whole childhood. So I was like, I'm not going to be the victim in this. I'm not going to let this get to me. I told no one. So then after that, what ended up happening is I kept hanging out with that boy. Oh, but on my you? own terms, like I decided that... I wasn't going to be the victim. I was going to choose what was going to happen to me. And I was going to say that I wanted this rather than the other way around. I wasn't going to be taken advantage of anymore. I was going to choose it. I ended up, you know, sneaking out of the house, hanging out with this boy. But this is the weird thing about it is that in my survival mind, in the way you would think that I would recognize that this is not the way it is, but I also was still wanting to be loved and yes. wanting to be and cared for. And you were going to get that love yes. any way you so get it. So instead of him taking advantage of me anymore, I was going to be the one that was going to be in charge and was going to say that this was either, this was going to be my choice. I was going to choose this rather than... So I think it was almost like as a child when you're abused and these are supposed to be the people that love you, you find that as that kind of love. So even though that night was horrible to me, you know, within the next week I started, those thoughts kept coming back to me and kept saying that, well, this is what love is. Like this is, so, but then I still knew, I still knew that I was the victim in that and Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be the victim. So I chose to do it on my own terms rather than his terms. Right. You just, you were just justifying the actions yes yes even though you know it's just the way that your your mind plays tricks on you when, right and when I don't think anybody can understand that. that unless they have walked through that yes. abuse yes yes so um you know I through through a year of high school with that I think it was like my junior year um you know that guy of course moved on to mm-hmm. some other girl and um, I've n- never saw that boy again but that was the moment in which a lot of that changed for me 
became physical for me. And up until that point, I hadn't really gone to that extent mm-hmm. of wanting to receive love to the point of being abused or uh, molested or anything like that. So Let's... I graduated high school. Let's take molestation out because it was physical rape. Let's yes, call it what yes. it is. Um, so I graduated high school with my brother. And we graduated the same year because he was held back due to our childhood. And we graduated the same year. And he was my world mm-hmm. because um, he was a year older than me. You know, we'd grown up together. Even through all this tragedy, we, we were always there for each other. And then a year after our graduation, he decided that he... I was the kid that once I got adopted, it took me a while to warm up to my parents. But when I, once I did, I was there and I knew I was loved and all of that. It was a matter of you could see that you could trust them. Yes. My brother was not that way. From the moment he loved them right away, he felt accepted, but he always held on to, my parents still want me. Like, my my biological parents still want me. We were taken away. It wasn't their choice. And so a year after we graduated, he actually left and went back to to my... He did. He went back to my biological mother, and he found our birth father, who um, was not doing very well, but... Um, he found her, and that destroyed me. Was I? He was. He was the one holding me by a thread. And um, then he takes off and goes back to the place of torture. Right. And and in my head, I'm thinking, I know I'm not doing great where I'm at, but I definitely don't want to be there. And um, I mean, he left without a word. He never said goodbye. You know. But looking back on that, I know that God was in that as well. Because had he told me, I would have never let him leave without me. And so I know that I would have followed him. And God didn't have that plan for me. And so um, he left and that destroyed me. And after graduation, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I hadn't really thought about college. I didn't enjoy school, obviously. And so I ended up going to work for a boarding school for troubled teens in um, a friend of the family that we had. And I went there and I and I worked with them for two years. Not a whole lot happened there. I just helped. For some reason, even in my struggles as a child, I still wanted to help other people. And so I knew, even though I wasn't, I was still messed up in the head for myself, I still knew that that children needed help and and teens needed to be understood. So you could relate to them, but that allowed you to not really address your issues. Correct. You were so involved with helping these young women because you knew what they were going through. You knew how they had lived and it stopped you from really looking at, I need to address the issues inside. And it's probably that you were trying to ignore the issues mm-hmm. inside of you. That just kept you from having to deal with the issues. Yes. And and through my youth years and everything, I never really focused on myself and because I was the tough girl. So I didn't need I didn't need anybody's help. I just did. And you took care of everybody else, I can yes. imagine. And so I went there, I worked there for two years. You know, one of the girls was a prostitute. 16-year-old prostitute, another girl had run away from home and gotten into a bunch of stuff. So there was a wide range of girls that I was able to talk to and minister with, and that made me feel good because I was helping somebody else. And, you know, with me, it was all about, um, I'm a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and that I don't know would have been necessarily my personality had I not grown up the way that I did, Mm -hmm. but you just, you want to please other people, you want to help other people. 
helping other people makes you feel good about yourself. And so I did that for a couple years. Then my adoptive parents called me and said they were going to start working at a college. And I hadn't really thought of going to college really at all. I wasn't really interested in anything specific, but they said, you can get free classes. You know, are you interested? Do you want to do it? And by that point I was like, sure, I'll go and do that. So I went and I moved into the dorm, even though my parents lived close by, I moved into the dorm to be more independent and all of that. I had gotten into a little bit of trouble because one of my younger brothers that were adopted by my adopted parents had adopted two other boys after my brother and I. And one of those boys had gone to the same college as well. So him and I would hang out and um, we would go to school there with all the other kids. He started getting into trouble and he ended up getting kicked out and not being able to be there. And that was kind of another one of those things that really hurt me. You felt alone I have again. no one. Yes. And so, you know, I think looking out for a sibling always kind of helps you ignore what's going on. And mm-hmm. so you just kind of do that. Well, he got um, removed from the school and then I started, obviously, my uh, need to feel attention mm-hmm. and all started of that. started the cycle all over again. Yes, because I think he was kind of a distraction. I was able to hang out with him and not feel the need to mm-hmm. feel feel that attention by other people. I could just hang out with him. Then what happened was um, I started getting into trouble. I started working at a local um, um, business as a job, and I got okay. in with the wrong crowd that was there and a bunch of um, kids. I ended up getting campused, which is where you're not allowed to leave the college unless you're going to work or going to church. So you were basically on campus arrest. Yes, <laughs> campus arrest, yes. And it was just, even at that moment, I still would, you know, try to sneak out. And even as a, as a 20, 20-year-old, 19-year-old kid, I was still determined that that was the only way that I was going to get love and attention was doing that. Um, I got involved with some of the kids there um, that I worked with and um, ended up being campus. Well, then, of course, going from all of that to having nothing to do, a Bible study was going on at the, tr- at the college that I was going to. And I was like, well, I might as well go to that I have nothing else to do and I wasn't really going because I was trying to be this I mean granted through my entire life the Lord was always with me but I wasn't close to him because I felt like when I would read the Bible I would feel guilty and I didn't want to feel guilty or I didn't want to feel you didn't feel worthy yes it was all about my identity and how that made me feel and I didn't feel good but at this moment get that I had no idea what grace was. Mm-hmm. I did not understand what grace was. Not I grew a up in a very uh, a structured, uh, strict home. It, they did not teach grace. So they were more works. Yes, more it was more. Yes, it was very legalistic. And so on top of the fact that I knew I had a lot going on and I had, I was not doing well, mm-hmm. I didn't have that grace to say, the Lord loves you right. regardless and yes. come just as you are. Yeah. I felt like I'm not going to go to him because... I don't look good. Yeah, and it's not yes. And so I never went to my parents. I never went to my to to God or anything because I just felt like I was never good enough and I was never going to be able to do enough. Yes. To make myself worthy of it. And there wasn't enough people around me to help me understand that. It just I I was kind of like this person that kind of floated around. Everybody knew me. I was a nice person. I looked Mm -hmm. good on the outside. I knew everything to say, everything to do. So no one knew anything was wrong. And so walk through life kind of living on the outside of scripture instead of in scripture. Yes, yes. I mean, I could quote every scripture yes. there is, but I didn't apply it. Yeah, application is everything. Yes. When you went to this Bible study. 
Oh, I so I went there and I saw this handsome guy there. Uh-huh. So I thought, I'm going to keep going to this Bible study because that guy is here. I could care less about the Bible study. I was there. I went there and I saw him and I was like lock-eyed with that guy. This is the second time that the Lord has stopped you from being able to do something mm-hmm. because he needed you to listen for a moment. He needed to show you some direction. And now you've met this guy that you keep going back for. Tell me about that. So, um, but the difference between this guy and all the other guys I liked is he actually loved the Lord and he respected women and he, you know, had a great family life and, and, and just was on the right path. Okay. But to me, I was still only there for that attention and all of that. Mm -hmm. And as long as he was getting me attention, I didn't care what he believed or what he, any of that. The thing is, is that ended up being the guy that really, once we started talking, through mm-hmm. these groups. Then we started hanging out, obviously on campus, because I couldn't leave the campus. Mm-hmm. And he would um, start questioning my motives and my, you know, why I did certain things or why I didn't do certain things, but not in a rude kind of way. It was in a way of he knew more about grace than I did. And he knew why you do something and why you don't do something based on the Bible, not because, you know, my only answer in life was because my parents said so. If I didn't do something or did something, I didn't have a reason behind it. I had no no foundation in the scripture to say, I'm doing this because the Bible says this, this, this. It was, I just did what they said and what they didn't say. And that's kind of how I floated through life that way. Yes. So he would come and go, well, why don't you do that? Or why do you do this? And I would say, because my mom and dad always said so. He was not okay with that answer. He kept drilling me. And the crazy thing about it is, is God, I know obviously planted him there, but got him to really questioned my faith and what I believed and not because my parents believed it but because I was a child of God I had accepted the Lord into my life but I had never applied it I just knew I don't want to go to hell and so I accepted the Lord but I never really did anything about it after that and I think part of it was a lot of people obviously didn't display the love of Jesus mm-hmm. so I thought and eh, I don't want to have anything to do with that I just don't want to go to hell so I but he just kept you know talking to me through love and just kept bringing that stuff out in me and to where I recognized that I can't just float through life saying I'm a Christian or, you know, saying that I've accepted the Lord and not having a reason of why I'm living the way that I'm living. But the important piece that I want to touch on there, you notice the difference yes. between this man and other men and other from men. your past. Yes. And the difference is he loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with him loving the Lord and then he loved you. Yes. He saw you in, in the way that Christ sees us. Yes. In that loving way. Continue on. Tell me about that. So, you know, we started going to church together and we would go keep continue to go to this Bible study. But at that moment, and I've told this many times that at that moment, I was literally about to fall off the wagon. And it was almost like God just stuck him right there because I was literally about to um, go away from the Lord. And I was, I, I think I was, I was months away from leaving the college and just running you were away. really close. I so was God very close because so many things had happened in my life that I didn't understand. And I didn't understand God's love and how that, that looked, even though bad things happened, God loves you. And that's not what God intended. God did not want that. 
but we live, you know, in a sinful world and, and things happen. So basically, he saved me in a way, obviously through God coming in and having him interject into my life right at that right. moment. He used him um, as the instrument to bring you yes. closer to him. Yes. So we dated and um, ended up, he ended up being my husband. Yay. So now we are the ones, you know, 17 years into it. And, but I can say today that God really used him to show me Jesus's love in it. And uh, the thing is when he, we, we met in January, he came to school in January. He had met my parents who worked at the school and he went and talked to my dad about dating me which I'd never heard of. I'm like, right. no guy is ever going to go talk to my parents about dating me. Because he had moral standards. Yes, yes, he did. And he um, he went and talked to my dad, and my, my uh, dad said, now you know that she has uh, some trauma in her childhood, and she's been through a lot of abuse and all that. And because we'd kind of talked a little bit, I'd given just a little bit of my right. story, just enough to say, you you know who I am, but not... Not enough to like not scare enough. him off. Yeah, because yeah, everybody Cause some stayed. people can't handle that. Right. And, you know, everyone stayed at arm's length because, you know, it was too painful to let people in too close. And so he went and talked to my dad, and my dad had made sure he was aware that, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. Right. Because she doesn't... I didn't fully understand what love was, so I didn't know even how to show it or how to accept it or receive it. And I didn't know this back then, but when we got married and moved into our first place, I found some books that he had purchased that said um, how to help my wife who's been sexually abused in the first couple months of us dating. So I had no idea that that God literally had ordained this to be, Mm -hmm. because I knew I didn't think I'd ever get married because it was going to take a lot for someone to be able to handle that and be and not only that, you, you're kind of selfish. Right. You really are. You've learned how to take, take care of yourself, mm-hmm. defend yourself in every way possible. You are your own ruler of your life because no one ever is going to hurt you again. Yes. So you're going to take control over that. So, yes. We got married, you know, uh, within two years of that. And, you know, I mean, it's not been a perfect 17 years, I can tell you that. How has the relationship been through the marriage, the ups and downs? Because of that. The, uh, well, when we first got married, I, you know, I mean, love did not come naturally to me. So even though I'd made this commitment and I'd married this man and that was what God had ordained, I still don't think I comprehended the commitment that I had made to this. So even shortly after married, after being married, my first job, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the flirtatiousness of the guy that's in the cubicle next to me or, you know, all of those things because I hadn't fully comprehended that I didn't need all those things. Right. So even though I didn't go to the extent of, yes. of um, going and following those different things, I was accepting them and I was appreciating them and enjoying those moments. And, you know, nothing really aspired or anything down until we got to about six years into our marriage. I mean, we struggled in the beginning only because, you know, with the whole sexual side of it and understanding that that's not a tool that people use to take advantage of you. Yes. And it's supposed to be, and God meant it to be this loving thing that Between two people... Between a husband and a wife. Yes. And so, you know, that was, that was hard to take in in the beginning anyway. Mm-hmm. Some of those actions would reflect back on my childhood and there would be weeks where I'd be like, you know, don't come near me. And that was definitely a challenge for him. I know that God put him in my life because he was patient and he was loving and he would 
He you gave know, him everything that he needed to yes, deal with you. Yes, and he gave me space. And he, without pushing too much, because the problem is people, if they push too much, then I shut down. Right. I, I don't, sh- don't want to show emotion, so I'll shut down. And even to this day, my husband will say, I know if something is, is bad or something is not going well in your life, if you don't cry, you're not okay. Because he knows that I wasn't a crier. I would just deal with everything and hold it inside and hold it inside. Yeah, you'd shove it down even yes. further. So he knows if something bad or traumatic is happening in my life or, you know, a death in the family or whatever, he knows if she's not crying, she she's not okay. And she, right. you know... So, um, like six years into our marriage, I had um, started working for a construction company, you know, and there's all kinds of construction workers coming in and out of there, and I spent a lot of time in the office by myself. And all of a sudden, here comes some guy that I'd known for years for this construction company, and he started giving me this attention. And then he started calling me on my cell phone, Mm. and then he would follow me home. And then it was this part of my life that just kept coming up. Wasn't that I went out looking for it, because I knew in my married life that was not what I was meant to do. Right, it's your natural instinct. Yes, and I did have a a good relationship with the Lord. You know, we were involved in church, and everything looked good on the outside, and I felt like I was doing well. But the problem was, is I still hadn't dealt with a lot of that childhood trauma, and you know, when you've lived so long with it, you don't, you get farther and farther away from it, you think you're okay. And so, you know, six years into it, and I, you know, our relationship was fine. It wasn't, you know, nothing traumatic had been happening. We were just kind of going on in life. And, but then I know that the devil yes. stuck his little head in there, and I had gotten farther along in there where it was like the six, seven year itch. Mm-hmm. And, um, the devil just allowed him to get in and really plant that seed of, you know, you need extra love. And and the problem with, with a person who's been abused as a child and having that kind of mental side of it, I felt like part of the thrill of, of getting someone's attention and getting them to pay attention to me, it was the chase. It was, yes. it was the ability to drag someone along and then choose whether I wanted to keep them or not keep them. And that was all part of that that made me feel good. So when you get married, there's a commitment there, but there's not that huge chase and that constant ability to go from guy to guy and have that guy give me attention and then choose that, oh, here's a new one over here. And even if they're not paying attention to you, you you do things or act a certain way or say certain things that get them. And that's the thrill of it. The control. Yes, control. Control, your world. Yes. Mm -hmm. So once you get married, then, you know, you've got the commitment. But because I didn't know what commitment was and I didn't know what love was. The true definition. Yes, the true definition. I still was had this gray area in my mind of what this really was supposed to look like. Then once this came along and I started getting these attentions again, Mm -hmm. it started becoming this distraction for me. I allowed that in. And that was totally something that the devil got in my head. And I didn't, you know, I never really had to fight a lot of it off because I just kept myself away from those situations. You know, but that was all on me. It wasn't that I was saying, God, you know, help me stay away from this because I still at this point didn't realize I truly had a problem. So when did you realize that? I, I realized it whenever... Um, my husband was paying our phone bill and he noticed all these numbers and he was like what is this and he'd never really questioned my my relationship my motives and my love before but I think that God really allowed him to see something it needed to come up yes because it needed to be dealt with yes 
And I had become distant because I was getting the attention from this other person and I knew my husband was there. He was there, he was married to me, he was not leaving me. And so I thought, well, I can dabble a little bit over here and still have him you to come home to. And, and really it was that and he was just, he was asking, what are all these numbers? Like it was charging us more or whatever. Cause that guy would call me on my way to work, on my way home. And this is not all his fault. I, right. I'm pretty sure that I had a lot well, to do with that. That really came out and I kind of played it off like, oh, it's just a guy at work calling me for things. And and then it really wasn't because a person can't get help by someone else telling them you need help. Right. They need to recognize themselves that I need help. So even after that, when I when I kind of knew he's recognizing I have a problem and I need to really shut this down so I don't show other people that I need that I have a problem. Months later, I came home just crying and I recognized that it's not okay what so, I'm doing. So God revealed that sin yes. in your heart. Did He reveal it to you like on your way home from work? Yes. Was there that moment? Yes. It How was, did that happen? It was on my way home from work in. My my heart I knew I was broken and but I'd always tried to to put it off like it was somebody else's fault and I'm not responsible for my own actions because okay. it's all based on my childhood so I never put the problem on myself I never recognized that I am still else. yes I'm still in charge of my action I'm still in charge of what I'm doing and God has called me to be better than that you know, I had him in my heart. I knew what I should have been doing, but in this, in my mind, I still felt like I was missing this piece that I needed to feel fulfilled and complete. So on my way home, I, you know, this guy went to call me and I didn't answer. And I just felt like God was really saying, you've got to do something. You, you've got to get help. And, you know, my husband had brought that up to me and then I'd kind of shut it down. Right. And he'd just been loving the whole time and been like, you know, she said that it's not a big deal. So it wasn't him that was taunting me about it. It was really the Holy Spirit when I allowed the Holy Spirit to really let me know that I have this problem and I need to get help for it. And so when I got home, I walked in the door and my husband was there and he was like, what is wrong? And I said, I need help. Right there. Yes. Amen yes. to that. And it wasn't like a it wasn't condemning like no. he wasn't condemning he wasn't because he knew my childhood he knew the struggle I'd been to and I think that it was a matter of God was just waiting for me to get to that place you know when I, I think of that sometimes when it comes to you know you see people out and about and you see people not doing well and you see you know homeless people and you see a bunch of things and I've never really recognized it like this before but my husband always says I give them money and the reason why is because sometimes you have to reach the bottom you have to hit rock bottom before you look up Amen. and before yes. you see that you need you need Jesus yes and I think that I was literally at the bottom of my rope and I thought I am not gonna survive and function like this if I don't recognize my need for Jesus. Now granted, Jesus had been in my life this whole right. time, but I was choosing to fulfill my desire and Your my own love. selfish desire. Yes, with that. And I came home and I said, I need help. And he called the church and found out through, and my issue was is all counselors are great, but to me, I needed a Christian perspective behind right. it. And I, so we found a Christian counselor and she walked me through every moment of my life, all the way back to my youngest memory. And that's it right there. Yes. That's one thing that I want people to know, is that counseling is good, yes. but you have to get to the root of the problem. Yes. 
and by going all the way back to the beginning and actually forcing the victim, I won't say force, that's kind of heavy, but allowing the victim to tell every piece from the beginning, that begins to trigger some memories. Yes. So when those memories are triggered, you are able to say, okay, that's out there. Then the things that you do remember, you put it out there with the counselor Mm -hmm. so that they can explain to you how that is wrong, but from a biblical perspective. Yes. I knew that if I had just gone to anyone, it would not have helped. I really needed God's love and, and to recognize it from that perspective. Because a million people can give you a bunch of advice right. and try to I, help you. Hey, you and I could sit down. You could pay me $80 an hour, yes. $100 an hour, and I'll tell you whatever you need to make you feel good. Exactly. Some people do that. Yes. And I think that going to the root of it, I mean, there were things that came out that I didn't even know were hidden that were down in there. So I am 110% towards counseling but the problem is is you can't force someone to go to counseling they have to recognize that they need it themselves because he had even mentioned it to me before like do you need help and I'm like no 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 I'm fine but it was until that moment when I recognized I can't do this by myself my spouse cannot save me anymore I have to do it myself and it has to come from the Lord to to help me you were no longer living in survival mode you were in surrender mode so take me to that point when you had surrendered did your marriage begin to change in a different way it did you know it did get rough because of things were revealed in my life that I yes Yes. the peeling away of the layers and it was hard for my husband he was seeing a side of me that he'd never seen before I was Mm -hmm. so good at shoving everything down and covering everything up and looking good and I was such a nice person and I'm a mercy so I love everybody and I (laughs) I'm a people pleaser and so all of those things started peeling away and I had to really deal with the fact that I can't live like that like fake like that and so it did hurt sometimes I had to come home and I had to talk about things that I didn't want to talk about because they were ugly and they didn't look good but for us to move on in our marriage and grow closer together because even though he'd probably given me 110% of himself Mm -hmm. I was still holding on to a piece of me and I was not going to give that up because that wasn't the pretty side no it didn't look good you're afraid of how people are going to perceive you because yes. you've spent so much time putting on this facade, this front to just make it through life. Yes. I'm currently going through that portion of counseling, but I'm doing it with my spouse. Yes. So in those moments when that counselor is bringing those things out of me, I still want to hold on mm-hmm. because I don't want him to see me break. Yeah. And that is a part of it though. Your, your spouse is supposed to be that person that you can cry with and you can break with because it's through that part of it that drew us closer together it was it was that you know God wants us to have each other and be together and and be able to yes and and when each one of you are holding on to certain things it doesn't allow you to communicate well yeah and I don't even think that it's him I'm afraid of it's really me yeah I've been woven together this way even though there's certain things that you kind of let go of over the years you know what I'm saying there's some things inside of me that are now being revealed that I had no idea. Yes. None whatsoever. That were even there. And I'm so afraid when I say these things out of my mouth. What is it going to look like when I fall apart? How is my husband going to get me through? Because I've always gotten myself through. Right. And then you live in a world where what you do 
when what you say and how you act with other people is what keeps them there. And so you feel like if you say everything and you reveal everything, are those people still going to love you? Are they still going to be there for you? For me, that was a huge thing because as a child, if I did not act well and I did not do those certain actions, they would not be there for me. They would not love me. They would leave me behind. They would leave me with the neighbor. Um, And so that was a very big fear for me. I was afraid of losing that. But God knew what he was doing. And God had placed and built in my life for a reason. Always tell people, God knew I didn't need a perfect person, but I needed a person that was going to stick it out even when it got bad. Yes. And it got That was going to ride it with you. That was loyal to the end. Because for someone who's not been in your shoes, it's really hard for them to understand where you come from. But it's also a matter of, you know, they're praying that God gives them the wisdom and the words and the love and the ability to understand what they don't understand. Because my husband grew up in a loving Christian home. Nothing ever bad happened. You know, it was a typical, I mean, I'm sure he had little things that go on, but nothing to my extent. And so it's hard for them to understand. So I'm sure there were times when I would get frustrated that he didn't understand my feeling and he didn't understand why I lashed out at certain things or, you know, just some emotions. Like even with friends, I, you know, if someone had to cancel on me or someone had to change their plans, I would personally feel abandoned. And my counselor helped me walk through that and say, it's because of the abandonment as a child, you've relayed this into your whole life. And even though none of these people are trying to hurt you, they love you, you still feel persecuted by them because of all these emotions that have nothing to do with them. Them, but yes. how you're you know how you're accept receiving it. Six years in, I got counseling. We we did go to marriage counseling as well. And I think every marriage needs marriage counseling. Because, you know, as we we grow and we get older, there's always things that we can work on. After that, we actually, um, God had really taken us out of every ministry. Because we'd been volunteering in a lot of church ministries and a lot of different things. But that was one of those ways where it was easy for us to hide what was really going on. Yes. Because we were pouring out so much that we had nothing left. You could draw your attention to other people. Yes. So we looked really good on the outside. It was a matter of God really pulled us and made it where we were unable to be a part of all of that. So it was just us. And then God moved us out of state, which was, we didn't love. It was God had planned that. because he, He removed you from all your distractions. Yes. And it was just the two of us. We did, um, we adopted our son and he was, um, I was, I had just finished, we had just finished up all the counseling and we adopted him. And so he was like a less than a year old and we had moved and spent there uh, for a year. And then we ended up moving back. It was through all of that. God really, we had no one. We couldn't find a church. We couldn't find a friend group. We couldn't interject ourselves into anything, into anything that would give us what we felt like we wanted. And so it was really the three of us and through that one year God really bonded us I think more than we've bonded like our whole married life it was just the three of us no distractions no distractions yes you know and and with all through all of that you know I mentioned my adoption my adopted son you know we went through multiple miscarriages and through that that was also something that kept coming back to me because you know maybe had I not been abused as a child I'd been able to give birth to a child that's a a thing that kept coming up and that was something that I could no longer shove down I had to deal with that I was angry at that you know we brought our son our adopted son home from the hospital and two weeks 
later, I miscarried a child. I didn't know I was pregnant and I was so angry at God. I was so angry, but it wasn't, that was also a part of growing where God, you know, I felt like my joy was being stolen, but that was still a part of the healing process where God's like, you know, this is still working on you. I'm still working working. Stay with me. So now we're 17 years in and, you know, life is not perfect, but now we have a communication you know, we, we talk to each other. If, you know, he knows, don't let me shut down. Don't let me get quiet. If, if I seem a little off, you know, he knows Mm -hmm. to peck at me until I, I talk because my natural instinct is to do is to shove it all down and hide it and pretend like everything's good. So, you know, I think that God puts two people together that he knows are going to to complement each other and work well together. And he he definitely does. I mean, thank God for for Bill being planted right where he was yes. to come into your life. Yes. After you came back and you two, well, actually the three, because you had your son. Mm-hmm. From there, what did you do? Well, we got back involved in church. Yes, we were ready. We were ready. We were um, past all of that and, you know, are loving the Lord and understanding each other in our relationship. You know, no one's perfect. You know, we we started working back at the church, volunteering at the church. It, It was something where both of us, before we were even met, we were both involved in a lot of youth ministry type things. Right. And so God really had put that on our heart from younger years before we even met. God just threw a bunch of different things, allowed my husband to stop the work he was doing in the business world and start working at the church. Full time. Full time. You know, I feel like that is is something that's always been ingrained to me. And I don't know if it's just because I always needed the help from other people. And so I feel like I'm always there. I need to help people. I need right. to to help people, not not for my own desire, but I feel like that's where God's placed me. You know, a lot of people will say, well, how did you survive that? How do you get through that? And a lot of people get angry at God for things like that happening, but that's not what God intended. God, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a simple world and God, everybody's in need of a savior of Jesus. I knew that through ministering to other people, yes. that was how God was going to use those terrible things in my life to help other people so that they would recognize that God does does love them and that's not what God wants because it's really hard for people to see all this tragedy and go well what kind of loving God would would allow it's that very to hard happen? for people to understand yes that. and so coming from a person who has been there and has as as God has brought through that horrible situation that no that's not what God wants you know mm-hmm. there it's a sinful world there's sinful people in it mm-hmm. and God you know that's the whole part of free will but yes. God through all of it was there for me and he does love me and he and I think that he he knew there's a verse in the Bible that talks about how God's not going to um, have something happen in your life that is too hard for you to handle without his help Because they'll say, well, God's not going to give you anything you can't handle. But they forget that through God's help, he's not going to give you something. And I think that in my life, for some reason, God really gave me the strength to get to where I am today with his help so that I can talk to other people and I can share my story. It's important. And, And other people can come to know the Lord and they can realize that God does love them and he doesn't want those things for them. So we were able to go into ministry together. We're able to minister. First, we started out with youth ministry. And so we did that for a while. And then as we got older, we've um, graduated to older groups in the church. But you know, there's just, there's not a better place to be than to be where you can help other people. And God has allowed you. I don't look at it like a selfish thing, like, oh, I did it all by myself. So now I can tell other people. It's like, I have to share God's love and God's protection 
protection because I could not be here today. So through all of that, you still have to look at the parts where God ordained certain things, God allowed certain things, but through all of it, God drew me close to him. And I can honestly say that today I have a closer relationship with God going through all those things than I would ever had I just led this normal, ordinary life. Yeah. Do you have any advice for our listeners? I would say for one, don't be... In a world where everyone wants to look perfect and, you know, we've got all these superstars and we have a bunch of people that everything on the outside needs to look good and be perfect, you need to recognize that it's okay to say, I'm not okay. It's okay to say, I need help. It's okay to talk to people and and get advice and and go to a a godly uh, counselor who is going to, you know, bring you close to the Lord in that. Too many people in the world want to hide everything that's going bad with them or make sure that they all look good and that's not how God wants it to be God wanted us to all in a church unite and come together and pray for one another so that you know we could share our burdens Um, counseling if you need it you know, talk to people, share with people. Yeah, you have to find a mentor. Right. I, I will share my life first. Um, I've got two. One um, is um, Philippians 1 6 that says, Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that has really rung true in my life because. Yes. In the beginning, when I didn't know the Lord or I wasn't close to the Lord, He was still there with me and He was still working on me and He was waiting for me. He wasn't moving. I was the one that was moving away from Him. And so, and it also reminds me that I'm not perfect and I'm a constant work in progress and God is continually going to keep working on me and and through that. And then my other one is um, in Isaiah, no, 1 Corinthians. And it talks about how God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort that we've received. And that to me is just in it, um, a way of me to be able to share with others because the help that I've gotten and the godly counsel that I've gotten and just going through scripture and learning things about the Lord and how God intended it and how God has healed me and brought me through it is not something I want to keep to myself. It's something I want to be able to help others and it's not a secret. I want to make sure that people people get the comfort and, and the help that they need just like I did. Thank you for listening to Trust the Journey. For show notes, visit us at facebook.com forward slash trustthejourney316. For questions or comments or to inquire about being a guest on the show, email trustthejourney316 at gmail.com. I encourage you to embrace God's calling on your life. Our ministry begins with our testimony. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Until next time, I am Tish Goble signing out. Have a great day. Thank you.